0: Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, November 2nd. On this date in 1955, Tennessee Ernie Ford's 16 tons first appeared on the charts. And on this date in 1959, game show contestant Charles Van Doren told a house panel that he had been given questions and answers before appearing on what was then one of the hottest programs on television. Can you remember which show? I'll have that answer coming up. But first, let's get your Wednesday forecast from the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. And good Wednesday morning to you. Starting out a little cooler this morning, feeling a little bit more fall like as you head outside with temperatures in the fifties. Lots of sunshine ahead for today will be in the low to mid seventies by lunchtime, upper seventies for highs this afternoon. Clouds will increase this evening. There may be one or two stray showers right around sunset. Most of you stay rain free tomorrow. All sunshine at 75 will be a 76 on Friday, so mid to upper seventies for the rest of the work in school week. There will be a couple small rain chances, including Friday, and both Saturday and Sunday, but the rain chance only about 20%. It is time-change weekend, so we turn the clocks back one hour Saturday night as you head to bed. This weekend, high temperatures near 80 degrees. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health.
1: Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions including radiology, path and lab, maintenance and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org/careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible.
0: Let's check in on your morning headlines now. The city of Charleston will need more than 16,000 more housing units by 2030, according to its comprehensive plan.
1: Yeah, today the city is taking one step towards uh, closing that gap by breaking ground on a new workforce housing project coming to the east side of the peninsula. Our
0: Molly McBride joins us live with details about the project and
2: who it's designed for. Good morning, Molly. Good morning. Within about six to eight months, the city estimates that six brand new single family detached homes will be built in the lot right near the intersection of America and Columbus streets, right near the Hampstead Park. I spoke to Gianna Shaw Johnson, the director of housing and community development who tells me this particular project is designed for those who make about 120% or less of the area's median income, which for a household of one is around $77,000. Each unit is two bedroom, two bath, and will cost the city around $320,000 to build, according to the city. Johnson says there is a 90-year restrictive covenant on the property also, meaning it must be kept affordable for at least 90 years. She says, although the need for housing is great, this project is a step in the right direction.
3: There's such a need for housing in our community. I know you've heard the numbers Um, when we produced the comprehensive plan or when our planning department presented it to city council. It indicated that we needed over 16,000 units by 2030. So this wonderful small development in the Eastside community gets us just a little bit closer to achieving that goal.
2: The city is partnering with JJR Development to make this project possible. I reached out to one of the developers who says when finished, the homes will be indistinguishable from market-based housing and will provide a superb ownership opportunity for police, teachers, firefighters, and others who might normally be priced out of the downtown Charleston market. The project is a part of the city's first time homeowner initiative, meaning they provide financial aid and first time homeowner classes to those who've never owned a home. Those interested in applying for the project can contact the city's housing and community development department. For that phone number, visit live5news.com and click on this web story. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News
1: all right thank you molly well since this summer south carolina's republican dominated state legislature has been taking testimony debating and trying to put tighter abortion restrictions in place
0: but the house of representatives and the senate remain locked in a stalemate over their legislation Neither chamber would agree to the other's bill, so it was sent to the six-member conference committee that met yesterday to work out a compromise.
1: To do that, at least two members from each chamber have to approve it. Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey said several times yesterday that not enough Republicans will vote for that more restrictive bill to pass in the Senate.
0: It's clear to me that the the base of the Senate is the only thing that has a chance to get the votes in the Senate. And I think that is razor thin. Uh, So, you know, if if the goal is to pass something, I think it has to be very close to the Senate version. That panel has until November 13th to work out a compromise and get it passed in both chambers. The conference committee plans to meet again next week. Governor Henry McMaster has requested a presidential disaster declaration to help folks across the low country affected by Hurricane Ian. GOVERNOR MCMASTER MADE THE REQUEST AFTER EXTENSIVE DAMAGE ASSESSMENTS BY THE SOUTH CAROLINA AND FEDERAL EMERGENCY MANAGEMENT AGENCIES. THE ASSESSMENTS DETERMINED THAT 17 HOMES WERE DESTROYED AND 232 HOMES EXPERIENCED MAJOR DAMAGE. ANOTHER 82 SUFFERED MINOR DAMAGE. A SPOKESPERSON FOR THE GOVERNOR SAYS THE ONGOING ASSESSMENTS SET THE PRICE TAG FOR STATE AND LOCAL AGENCIES AT MORE THAN $25 MILLION. If the Biden administration grants the declaration, it would provide help from FEMA's Individual Assistance Program for those affected by the storm in Charleston, Georgetown, and Horry counties.
1: Lowcountry school districts have received grants as part of the Environment Protection Agency's Clean Electric School Bus Program. Now, state, local, and federal officials gathered in Orangeburg yesterday to discuss the impact those buses will have on area school districts. Orangeburg County Schools Superintendent Dr. Sean Foster says 75% of the district's students rely on bus transportation each day. 16 new electric buses will be headed to Orangeburg as part of a $6.32 million grant. The State Department of Education says they hope the new buses will be hitting the road in the next eight to 10 months and would need at least 60 charging stations. Now the other districts getting the grants in South Carolina are Georgetown and DD4.
0: And speaking of districts receiving funding, four Charleston County schools have been awarded grants from the Laura Bush Foundation. Springfield Elementary, Pepper Hill Elementary, Burke High School and R.B. Stahl High School were each awarded a $5,000 grant from the Laura Bush Foundation for America's libraries. A total of 300 schools from 44 states received grants. The foundation provides funding to schools with the greatest needs to focus on their library collections. Burke High School's librarian says the grant funds will be used to update the school's book collection to reflect the school's diverse population
1: and community. Well, something to take note of before heading to Friday night's football games. Dorchester District 2 has a new clear bag policy for its athletic events going forward. Now, the district says that move is in an effort to provide a safer environment and speed up entry into events. The new policy also limits the size and type of bag that can be carried in. The district says the only exceptions to the policy will be for medically necessary items, and those will be properly inspected. Well, a downtown bar is keeping the past in mind with, by donating unique ceiling decorations to a local organization that provides services for women.
0: Restaurant partners with Big John's Tavern say if the community takes part in the donations, they will receive
1: vouchers to use at the bar. Live 5's Lauren Quinlan joining us live now. And, Lauren, talk about these ceiling decorations and how these items uh, coincide with the women's organization. Well, Katie
4: Aisha bras used to fill the ceiling of Big John's Tavern and in honor of those past decorations they've decided to partner with Florence Crittenton programs to give back. In twenty twenty, Christopher Houston and his three partners purchased and restored Big John's Tavern. As a customer of Big John's during his time at the Citadel Military College, Houston recalls the focal point of the bar.
2: One of the things back back in the day was that there were a lot of bras on the ceiling at Big John's. So we saw an opportunity with Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October to kind of have a homage to the old Big John's, but also help out the community.
4: Houston says Florence Crittenton Programs was the best organization to partner with because he knew they would get the bras to the right people. Lawrence Crinton has been serving South Carolina for over 125 years, providing an array of services like a group home for pregnant teens and affordable housing for single mothers. Cheryl O'Donnell with the organization says many of the young women they serve come from various situations like homelessness and don't have essential items. Having these donations of bras
1: is critical for us. Um, We have young women as young as 15, women as old as 30, um, and in a whole wide range of body types. So accepting donations for bras of, of all sizes will help all of the young women that we serve.
4: If you stop by Big John's Tavern at 251 East Bay Street this week to donate a bra, you'll receive a restaurant voucher up to $10. And tomorrow, November 3rd, Big John's and Florence Crittenton will be hosting a bra blowout celebration and a portion of the proceeds and bras will be donated. Well, Cheryl with Florence Quentin says it's important for these young women to have a bra and to also have that dignity and confidence. So if you're interested in donating, you can visit our website at live5news.com or stop at Big John's and donate. Reporting live in Charleston, Lauren Quinlan, Live 5 News.
1: Thanks so much, Lauren. Well, several dozen people gathered to discuss a new program designed to help curb violence among young people. Anna Harris was at the Low Country Rising Above Violence event at Midland Park Ministry Center in North Charleston to tell us more about where these triggers are coming from.
3: Just right down the road from where I'm standing is where two shootings took place at the same time on the same road that were totally unrelated to the other about a month ago. Charleston County Youth Advocacy Program identifies how this kind of violence occurs in ways they can prevent it from happening in the future. Shantone Curry, a former convict and current youth advocate, says it hurts to hear juveniles getting involved in violent crime. Curry grew up in the projects, started stealing cars at 19, and went to prison for 15 years for armed robbery. Just last week, Chief Burgess of North Charleston Police said that people have to make the change of making streets safer after a shooting that happened off Barnwell Avenue. Lieutenant Corey Taylor with Charleston Police Department says he thinks he sees at least 50% of violent crimes in the city involve a juvenile. Charleston County Youth Advocacy Program partners with MUSC to take care of these sorts of issues. Krista Green, a program director at MUSC, says she sees kids as young as 10 or 11, all the way to people in their 30s getting treatment. She says most people in their late teens and early 20s are at the highest risk of gun violence. Part of the Youth Advocacy Program's purpose is to identify where the trauma comes from to best intervene and to prevent violent crime from happening again.
1: A lot of the things that they're going through is emotional uh, and psychological. Um, It's trauma. And to be able to deal with trauma, you got to first know trauma.
3: For more information on how to get involved with the Youth Advocacy Program, you can visit this web story on live5news.com. In North Charleston, Anna Harris, Live 5 News.
0: At the top of the show, I asked which rigged quiz show Charles Van Doren had been a contestant on. That show was 21. You're a winner if you guessed it correctly. Celebrating birthdays today, political commentator Patrick Buchanan is 84. Actress Stephanie Powers from the 70s mystery series Heart to Heart, she's 80. Actress Kate Linder of The Young and the Restless is 75. Singer-songwriter Katie Land is 61. Friends actor David Schwimmer is 56. Rapper Nelly is 48, and actor Danny Cooksey is 47. Thanks for starting your morning with us at Live 5 and with Morning Y'all. I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Morning Y'all, produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com podcasts and download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's News Leader.